0: First of all, thank you for coming on our show. Uh, we've been trying to get you on the show for a minute, but I'm glad we're here, and we're big fans of yours and followed your career. And uh, just thank you for coming on. For yeah, work. I've been
1: trying to get on the show, so it's a hey. special day today. <laughs>
0: hey, that's right. When you first got to the WNBA, who was the first person to bust your ass? Mm-hmm.
1: Ooh. Mm, it's a tough question. It's you know, I was a point guard, but I always guarded other players so um probably Cheryl swoops I mean she her first step was crazy so I never really guarded the point guards always guarded the wings so I would say probably Cheryl or Coop Uh, I don't remember so I think that's a good thing that I don't remember somebody busting my ass (laughs) (laughs) but I'll probably say one of those two
2: yo 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 we live on location NBA Summer League 2023 wonderful las vegas nevada we are here at the xs nightclub at the Wynn hotel las vegas we got the blackest one in the building yes sir hey we chilling out with wnba and pure basketball royalty today yes, you feel yeah, we world got twenty-five hall of fame a world champ we got one of the very first point guards of the wnba when it first came around we got the lovely tisha hey, pina yeah, thank you Hey, we hey we appreciate hey. you pulling up
1: absolutely my pleasure
0: Portugal. I didn't know you was from Portugal. Yes. I don't want to mispronounce. What part of Portugal can you yeah. pronounce?
1: Figueira the Foch.
0: Okay. Uh, you okay. never would have said that, right? <laughs> you <laughs>
1: would
2: have <laughs>
0: been so far. Yeah, Ooh, I, uh, I let, we yeah. should
2: have let them try that. Say Try and say it one time. She just said it, right? I don't, I don't, don't,
0: don't, I don't, don't want, want to mess that up. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to mess that up. You grew up in a country where soccer is like yeah. the number one sport, is the number yeah. one sport. How did basketball become the thing yeah. that you wanted to do out, because I know everybody around you plays soccer
1: yeah family thing my dad played and then he was my first coach and I have an older brother and also play basketball so basically I started playing when I was 5, 6 dribbling the ball at the house and I was super lucky there's not a lot of playgrounds in Portugal but I literally have one right across from my house so wow. I spent countless hours there sometimes it was nighttime. I couldn't even see the hoop anymore my mom would have to literally come and like yell my name to come and shower and have dinner but uh so yeah definitely a family
0: thing who who was you watching at an early age to just put the swag in your your game yeah. like for you to be an overseas player yeah. to have the swag that you had in your in game like what you was watching when you okay. was coming up to so you getting the dribble and
1: i'm about to tell my age but you know in portugal we had, i grew up with two channels that's it right yeah. and on sunday afternoons we had a not live, but we had an NBA game, and my favorite player back then was Magic Johnson. Yeah, okay. So uh, it kind of made sense. He was a tall point guard, and obviously, he had the flair. And right after I watched that game, I would go to the playground and just try to try, uh, basically do everything mm-hmm. that he did, you know. So I think, like, that was kind of the guy that I, I try to, you know, watch and uh, emulate when I was, uh, you know, back then.
0: So you play in the, the club team, that's like the pro team. Mm-hmm. In Portugal, tell us, like, the process of how you got to the point where you f- start playing professional in your country. As a teenager. As a teenager.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it's a completely different system than the States, right? Here, everybody plays in school. There, yeah. you kind of, your parents pick a sport, pick a club, and take you to that club and enroll you in that specific sport. So, mm-hmm. most people in Europe just play one sport growing up. Yeah. I'm from a very small town, Figue de Foz, It's mm. like 30,000 people, so there was only two clubs, and one didn't have basketball, so my parents took me to this club, and I kind of started there. My dad was the first coach. I didn't have actually a, a girls' team for my age group, so I played with the boys. Oh. So my dad was the coach, and I was the only girl. I looked like a little boy, I had a little bowl cut, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it kind of started. And then at 16, I started playing with the national team, and then, you know, you can become a pro. But my goal was always to to come to the states and go to college like I knew very early that you know I wanted to get out of Portugal and come to the states what
0: did you hear about colleges like how did that process get to the point where it's like you hearing about college what did you know about college
1: so there's no internet right this is like 1990 I can't I can't research anything but my brother played pro and he always had Americans on his team Yeah. so we all they always come to my house my mom used to cook for them so I always like from a very young age was introduced to the American culture And I just knew that this is where the best coaches are. I can actually get my degree and get better. So I just knew I was like, I have to get out of here. But I didn't know how, right? Yeah. But – When I was 16, so it's like 1992, we were playing in the professional league in Portugal. And this lady that at the time she graduated from Dartmouth and she went to play professional in Portugal. Her name is Alison Green. And after the game, she came up to me and she was like, oh, my God, you're so good. Like, you need to go to the States. I was like, I want to. I just don't know how How to to, go about it. And she was just like, "Okay, give me your number. So I actually had to give her like my parents' landline. number. Right, you know, right. I don't have a number. Like, I don't have a phone. So, two years later, she became the assistant coach at Old Dominion. So, mm. she told the coaches, you guys about have to go you. to Portugal and, you know, and recruit this girl. Like, she's and good. And
2: that's how Old Dominion That's yeah. what I was going to say. How did that come into play? Like, that's crazy. It's crazy.
1: If she would have became an assistant coach somewhere else, I probably would have gone some, there. Yeah. You know, and I didn't know anything about Old Dominion. Like I said, it could have been a D3 school. I yeah. don't know. I know that I came on a visit. They took me to Virginia Beach. You know, I'm a beach girl. Yeah. So they took me to eat seafood, they, and I'm like, "All right, I'm coming. Where do I sign? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. let's do this." So it was kind of, you know, it's sometimes you kind of just go with the flow, and it kind of worked out. Did you perfectly. try to go
0: to any other college or look into any other college, or you were just pursuing? What was in front of you?
1: So this was kind of like the first one that came along. And then I actually did a summer camp in New York at Pace University. Mm -hmm. You know, this guy in Portugal put something together. And then when I was there, the Florida coach came. I don't know how she found out that I was there, but it was one of those periods that the coaches cannot speak to uh, the players, players, right? The yeah. NCAA rules, but yeah. I don't know anything about that. So she wrote me a note, but I was mad because I'm like, "How you want to sign me? But you don't even talk to you me, and you just talk write me." To me. So I, that turned me off. But mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't yeah, know, you know she couldn't talk going to on. me, right? So yeah, I mean, once I did my visit to Old Dominion, I just was like, "This is the place for me."
2: You being from Portugal, with like, was that the first time you were like away from your family and being like you going way overseas? How was that? First time out the country. How was that for you coming? To now, I'm about to be living here and going to school here.
1: Well, first of all, I have to thank my parents. You know, at age 18, to leave the country to go across the ocean—I mean, you're not yeah. just—they cannot get to me on the weekends or anything like that. Again, they, I used to write letters to my parents. We didn't have Facetime, we didn't yeah. have WhatsApp, we didn't have any of that, right? Yeah. So uh, it know was about so. Play phones
0: and all oh, <laughs> it was so expensive to call home. I had yeah. to get these
1: calling cards, and it was super expensive. So. You know, my parents knew it was my dream, and, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, when your parents support you, it was really hard for my parents to, like, let me go. And I didn't know if I was going to be successful, but to me, it's like, I'd rather go and fail than to never go. Yeah. You know, so I had to do it for myself, and obviously... I always betted on myself, and I knew that this is what I had to do to make sure that I belonged and I could be the best player that I could be. That was my goal. I didn't know what that meant, but that's what I wanted to be.
0: So now you committed to Old Dominion, you, you're on campus.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: How was, like, being there for that first year and go through the practices and the season and— when was like the rough moments that you you might, you might not have thought that you can do it and times that it was yeah. good because you basically built a whole another family in a whole another yeah. country
1: right I mean it's true you know not every not every day speeches and cream you're gonna have bad, bad days but to me that adversity is what makes you better you know when you yeah. are able to go over that hurdle and, and probably missing home was the, the hardest one you know to, to be homesick but I knew it was gonna be worth it I was like I'm here for a reason um, my goal is to obviously graduate to become a better woman to become a better player and I'm going to go through with it until the end and then we'll see what happens and the timing was perfect because I was in college from 94 to 98 when I came there was no WNBA my goal was to go back overseas and play there but then he's like oh maybe I can play in the WNBA you know so then WNBA came around 97 and it was perfect because the scouts could see me if I wasn't back in Portugal ain't nobody going over there to see me Yeah. so it was just like the perfect timing and um, I'm so glad that I took the chance and came
0: the era you played in, the competition in college like when you start playing, did you? It's a whole nother level yeah. than what you just came from. Like, yeah. when did you feel like you adjust? Did you feel like you was right away ready, or you feel like it's a, oh, you got a lot to learn, and it's the style of play is totally different.
1: I mean starting with like lifting weights watching film, practice was three hours, we didn't have no water breaks, I'd be like I'm thirsty <laughs> you know over in Europe it's one and a half you gotta get out cause another team is coming into the gym yeah. so that was a lot of adjustment but that's what preseason and then pre you know it's it got mm-hmm. me ready and I just I felt like the coaches and my teammates really helped me to adjust, uh, I think I'm a person that can adjust well to new you know new situations, yeah. I'm not shy I'm an extrovert yeah. uh, so But obviously, I I found great teammates and coaches that, you know, made me feel home. So like you said, I I did find a second family that kind of, was able to connect, and I didn't miss my family as much.
0: Language barrier? did you have mm-hmm. any problem with, with I that? I mean,
1: I spoke English, but not as well as it's, I speak today, obviously. Yeah. And it's so funny, because I had a problem with H's, because in Portuguese, we don't, <laughs> like, pronounce the H's, so I'll be like, Michael Hare Jordan. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'll
1: be like, hello. You know, so I would never know when to pronounce the H and not, yeah. so it was like, that was probably the hardest thing for me. I'm like, yo, I don't understand this H thing, but i come a long way. I How come was it when way. you
2: started playing? Like, you can't, you, you, you was rookie of the year in the conference, right? Mm-hmm. So you, like, you obviously adjusted and hit the ground, running as far as hooping. How was that for you?
1: Uh, It was good. I mean, sometimes as a freshman in college, you don't get a lot of minutes, you know? So I wasn't sure, you know, what was the level of my teammates, you know? But I was willing to try it out and just, you know, prove that I'm I could play more than 30 minutes a game and even start. So, as soon as preseason started, I mean, starting with that damn mile that we had to do.
0: Oh, man, uh, I hate it when you have yeah, to start with that mile. Yeah, that
1: <laughs> mile. I was like, what is that? I mean, I, I go by kilometers. What's a mile? I don't even know what that is. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was great. I mean, the competition in practice was good. And, you know, my coaches trusted me as a point guard, as a foreigner point guard. It's not easy to kind of give you the keys and be like, yeah, go ahead and start. Right. But uh, but it worked out pretty good. So.
0: Who was the first female you seen that that kind of intrigued you and, and caught your eye? I was like, man, she... She dope, I want to be like like her.
1: Well, there was a few Europeans. I mean, obviously, I always watched the Olympics, and yeah. then there was uh, these uh, two Brazilians, Magic Paula and Hortensia. They were like out of this world the way mm-hmm. they played. And yeah. then, I mean, on the American squad, you had Teresa Edwards, that it was somebody that I really looked like, up to, yeah. you know. But like I said, you you couldn't really
0: you can not really see, find yeah. it on internet. So yeah, it was like so the I Olympics, know when, you know. You had to yeah. wait for
1: for the games to come on. And then when I got to the states, you just start being able to, to do more everything. research. And obviously, I went to Old Dominion. So when I got there everybody was like everybody say you play like nancy lieberman lady
2: mm-hmm. Magic, lady and i'm like, like who
1: the hell is this lady everybody talk about That's nancy, Lee, who is nancy? The then i was like when i was like can I, was, I went to my coach i was like can you show me highlights or games yeah. of nancy because everybody asking me comparing me to her and i don't even know who she is yeah, yeah. so when i saw her i was like oh shoot yeah. I got big shoes to fill, right? But I always took it as a compliment. And from day one, since I met Nancy, she was amazing. And uh, she's Greatest. like my
2: big sis. Love yeah. Nancy. She coached yeah. me with the big three. We yeah. won the championship. Yeah. I that's love my, Nancy. That's, that's
1: love, my big love, sis. sis. We, uh, we got that bond from Old Dominion. So, uh, yeah, we, we have a great relationship.
0: When y'all made that run and went to the championship, yeah. uh, y'all was knocking a lot of people off. Yep. Tell us about the run and playing Shamika Hoseclaw and them in a championship pat, legendary past summer.
1: Yeah, man, if R. I can, v. one game back out of my <laughs> career, that would be it. I could play it right now. <laughs> 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 that one still hurts, you know. Uh, so we beat Stanford in the semifinals. Yeah. That was, they, they were the favorites. Yeah. And we were down by 17. We were able to tie it, go to overtime and we beat like, them in overtime and it was just exhausting like physically, mentally. mentally and then we yeah. have to play Tennessee. See. They cruised past Notre Dame in the semifinals. Yeah. And obviously Shamiqua was everything. Shalequa. Right. Same thing. We're down by seventeen. We're able to tie it and then I think we just ran out of gas and uh you know, like I said, that game still hurts. Nineteen ninety seven in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yep.
2: How was it for you like coming from overseas and then your senior, year, like right before you even go to WNBA, winning the Wade trophy as a you know, as a senior, how was that for you? Had you Had any aspirations or anything aware of those type of awards and stuff like that?
1: (laughs) Can I be honest with you? I had no idea what the weight Trophy
3: was.
2: Right,
1: (laughs) I had no idea. I knew Nancy had won it, so I was like, "Shoot, if she won it, I want to win it." You know. But then they told me, like, you know, this basically you are the best player in college. I was like, "What?" So, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Um, I mean, you, you win a lot of stuff, but it's a team sport. And the way I play it, there's no way I win anything without my teammates. And also the coaches give me the green light to play the way I played. So that was cool, but I had no idea what that was.
0: <laughs> when you heard the WNBA was about to be formed, it was about to be American Pro Women's League. What was your first thoughts? What did you think about what was I
1: think you? the first thing I thought was like, I wonder if I can play in it, if I'm good enough, good to, enough to, to, play to play in play, it, uh-huh. right? So that, I think that was kind of the first thing. And then obviously I knew that other leagues tried to, to make it in the States, but they never really were Strong. able to, yeah. to sustain, you know? So, But with this one, you knew that the, the NBA was behind it. Was it was different. So I remember yeah. I was drafted in 98. I remember going to, to New York. They mm-hmm. brought me in because I had to choose between the ABL and the WNBA. So the ABL was at the same time. So I actually could choose the two, between the two. So I went up to New York. I go into the offices. I meet David Stern. He comes in. And I'm with my agent. And he just comes in. And I'm like, dang. And then he leaves, like, so we have a great conversation. My agent was like, that's big time. Like, he just came to talk to you, you know. So, so yeah, that was his baby. And, I mean, he's basically the main reason why the WNBA is here because he put a lot of effort into it and he believed in us, you know. Unfortunately, he's not with us anymore, but he's one of the big reasons why the WNBA is here.
0: Tell us about your draft, the Mm -hmm. draft day.
1: So this is back in 1998, right? We had fake live, like so. Yeah. I, we were in the in New Jersey in this like little studio in Secaucus, New Jersey, uh-huh. and I already knew that I was going to Sacramento.
0: Oh, actually, let
1: me rewind. <laughs> let me rewind. Utah had the first pick. Uh-huh. Like, not too many people know this story. So, Utah had the first pick. They came to Old Dominion, the head coach and the assistant coach like, we're going to take you with the number one pick. Yeah. And I was like, dang, I don't want to go to in Utah.
3: Utah. <laughs> but I'm
1: like, okay, cool. I don't even think I could fake it. I was just like, okay, great, whatever. So, then they had pre draft camp in Chicago. Yeah. And there was this player from Poland. She was 7 2, Margo Didek. Mm-hmm. And probably people thought it was a typo. Ain't nobody 7 yeah. 2. So, they go there, and she's really 7 2, and she's good. I mean, she's really good skill. Like, I played against her with the Portuguese national team against the Polish team, so I knew that she was legit. So Utah ended up taking her with number one, so I ended up going to Sacramento. They had the number two pick. Mm -hmm. I want to go to three because Washington had the number three pick, and I wanted to stay close to Old Dominion because I don't want to start all over again. I have to go to California, start all over again. I don't know anybody, so I actually wanted to be the number three pick. But, yeah, so we were in this studio in New Jersey, and they were like, You going to Utah? You going to Sacramento? So we already knew, <laughs> but then it was like, So when the cameras start rolling and we call your name, just act surprised. So I remember being like, Oh, I'm going to Sacramento. <laughs> 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 so this is how much he has evolved. Now he's live on TV, yeah. and you know, there's red you carpet. The Real reactions, yeah. No. So, you know, so but that was cool. How yeah. was
2: it for you when you get drafted and you go, like you say, from that East Coast where you mm-hmm. used to, you know, Old domain, and you got friends and you go? way cross country yep. to Sacramento and you, you know, I mean, you get there, you got a good team. You got Ruthie Bolton, you yep. got Shout Out, Shot Town, Yolanda Griffin, <laughs> Southside. Baller, you, know Yolanda saying? Griffin. Yes. Baller. Baller. we yes. gotta have her on here real soon. But yeah. like, yeah, but like, how was it for you getting out there and being on the west coast and having to you know, find your way out that way.
1: Yeah so I remember going on a plane and I was just looking around right before we landed and I'm like "Uh, all I see is cornfields. I'm like like, what is this? I thought Sacramento was the capital of California. Like (laughs) what is going on? So, But yeah I mean they were like not very good the year before the first year and like you say Ruthie was the franchise player. Yo came the following year so our first year was
3: Mm -hmm. it was tough.
1: I don't even remember our uh, I think we were 8 and 22 something like that we only won 8 games so Mm -hmm. you come from a winning program and then you hit the pros and he's like dang and you just don't want to get used to it because you never want to get used to losing but it was tough it was tough but uh, also again as a new city but new teammates new everything but they really opened their arms and welcomed me and i just felt right at home and i love sacramento
0: Let's speak about them Sacramento fans. Some of the best fans in the league. Some of the best fans ever. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) man.
2: That was our generation, the Cowboys. They got the beam now. I like the beam, though. It's fly, but they fans is on point.
0: Yeah. How was that to get embraced from the city and the fans and being a women's team and being in a small
1: market? yeah. Market, It was great. I mean, obviously the Kings back then. It was I got lucky because they were like one of the best teams in the league. But they were fun to watch. You have Chris Webber, you have Vlade, you have Mike Bibby, Jay Will. Will. I mean, come on,
0: Paige. How yeah. was I was still in Sacramento because I used to watch Jay Will and I used to watch you on the yeah. women's side. <laughs> like, yeah, how yeah. was that being there when he was there? Oh, like
2: Did you used crazy. to watch him and try and do it any of the stuff? Because like, like, y'all was like two of the flashiest PGs oh, yeah. in the WN and the NBA. Yeah, so it well, like,
1: he got me when he did that elbow pass. That I, was, I
2: never yeah. did that. Crazy. The best part that about that was watching L.O. in the video like, when yeah. he noticed that's yep. what he did to him, and yeah. I was like, yo, that was yes. sick. That was ill.
1: Yeah, but those fans are great. And you know what? The team folded in 2009, and it was kind of out of nowhere. Nobody expected it. So we never never really had a chance to say goodbye to our fans to thank them. But one thing I'm super proud is that we did bring in championship to the city, yes. and those fans were, were amazing. And I hope that soon, at least in the area, like maybe the Bay Area or something, we can get another WNBA team back there because those fans
0: deserve it. How was it when y'all was on the Weedy Box? When your team was whole yeah. team was on the Weedy. I was the first women's team to ever be on the Weedy Box.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. I was like, yeah, I still have it. You I, still I don't know have if the I, box. I hope
0: yeah, I don't have the cereal have inside,
1: but uh, yeah, I still have it. I you mean, got to. Yeah, that was that was amazing. And we were trying to win that championship for so long. I mean, playing in the West, especially with the Comets and yeah. the Mercury, L.A. I mean, it was tough, but we finally got it in 05, So that that was big.
0: Tell us about that season. About Getting over the hump because y'all are a good competitive team. Y'all are one of the teams that that can beat all the teams that everybody – because, you know, with the WNBA, it was a fresh team, so they was putting some of the more popular people and the popular teams up front. Yeah. But y'all was one of them dark horse teams – they came in. Just tell us about this season and just how everything clicked for y'all to win it.
1: Yeah, it was really about defense. Our coach, he called it the white line defense and mm-hmm. we all bought in. At first, it was like a little weird because sometimes we overhelped, but when everybody was on the same page doing it, I mean, it, we were unstoppable. And I mean, we all say defense wins championships, so for us, it was really true. I mean, until we bought in and, and really everybody had played a, a huge role with that championship, but uh yo was the MVP, so yeah. uh, Shacktown Town uh, represented. Yeah, yeah. Um uh, but we, we were trying to get that championship for a long time.
2: How did that, like, you try to get it for so long? Like, when you finally get it and you guys get to celebrate with your fans, you get those trophies, like, how? what was that you feeling of accomplishment? Like, now call me champ yeah. around here. It's, Respect this. It's
1: kind of surreal because it was a close game too but uh, when that buzzer goes off and the confetti like just starts like falling from the sky and uh, you think like I knew that my family was like 5 a.m. but I knew they were watching at home and yeah. you know it's just <laughs> a relief like all the hard work that you have put in the off season and throughout the whole season and he finally like he paid off you know mm-hmm. because sometimes you're so close. He might be two field goals from winning a championship but he kind of everything has to kind of go the right way, no injuries, everybody buys in, you know, you have to have a little bit of luck but for us, it finally happened. sometimes you go a whole career without winning a championship, you know, and yeah. you never want people to say, oh, you didn't win a championship you're not this or that or whatever, like you don't want that to define you, but it just feels good, I mean, that's why you play the game, is right. to win, right? Yeah, so to, and to win, to win in front of your fans, like yeah. you said, it was 17,000 people at Arco yeah. Arena, it was packed.
0: Crazy, so, I remember um, that like, like yeah. I remember that, I was so happy for y'all when y'all won, so yeah.
1: So that was
2: dope. How do you describe like that epic five game series against the Shock? Like talk about that from you guys' perspective.
1: Yeah, stuff, another one, you know. We should have won back-to-back, and then it was crazy because we should have won game four in, in sack. Everybody was ready. Had the champagne in the locker room, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then we had to go back to Detroit, and they couldn't even play at the Palace because there was a concert. So we played at, I think it's called Joe's. Uh, yeah, it was where the hockey the, team uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, play. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's tough. You know, Bill and beer was the coach, and they were just bruisers. You know, yeah, Cheryl Ford, Katie Smith, Deanna yeah, Nolan, yeah. Uh, not yeah, even people squad, talk about uh, her. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it was tough, I mean. And um, I knew going back it was going to make it so much harder on us. And it was.
2: Tell me this, you spoke on, like, the team folding. And just speak on how much of a weird situation that is, like, as far as, like, for the actual players that are on that team and how you guys had to go about the process of going and finding another team and just how all of that played out. Like, where were you when you found out the team was going to fold? And how did the news come to you guys as the players?
1: Yeah, I was actually in the practice facility. So it was the off season. It was like around November. It was right before Thanksgiving. And I had surgery on my thumb. So I was just recovering and I just finished working out. I go back to my locker and I have a message from uh, like one of the the ladies that work for us. And she was like, Tisha, call me when you get this. And I'm like, So I call and she was like, I have something to tell you. Like the Maloofs decided that, you know, the owners decided they don't want to have the team anymore. So we about to fold. And I'm like, what?
2: Like, what does that mean? I'm
1: like, no. Nah. And then the process is, so it did happen, and then this is November, so the next season we have to wait until April or May. So if you were under contract, there's going to be a dispersal draft. So the worst team from the previous year picks first. If you d- were not under contract, which I was not, then I'm a free agent right away. Mm. So then I had to decide where am I going to go next. Mm. So it was between actually San Antonio and L.A., so I ended up going to L.A., and I played two years um, with the Sparks. But, uh, but if, if you were in the contract, you kind of have no saying where you're gonna go because a team just gonna pick you.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. That's tough, right so there. So, what was the decision on LA and San Antonio? Was it
1: <laughs> I mean, I was gonna play with uh, Delisha Milton and Jones and uh, yeah. Tina Thompson yeah. and Candace Parker, and yeah. I was just like, I remember the GM for the Sparks at the time was like, "You the glove, like you, <laughs> you the, the missing piece, like you need yeah. a point guard to give the ball to all these players." Uh, but Right in the beginning of the season, Candice hurt her shoulder, so she was out for the season. Yeah. So obviously it didn't go as, as expected. But, you know, I, I don't have many regrets in life. So at the end of the day, I, I enjoy being in L.A. Kobe's dad was our coach yeah. at some point, you know, so that that was cool. Joe Bean, always trying to play, yeah. practice too, and mm-hmm, try to give yeah. us buckets and talk trash. <laughs> so uh, I had a good time.
0: When I watched you play, it was always a joy. It was always mm-hmm. like you had fun. What gave you the joy of the game? You were just having fun. You was always smiling. You were always into the game. You definitely was focused, but it yeah. was a, a joyful focus. What's
1: well, not to love? You know, I'm, yeah. I'm getting. This is my job. You know, right. I'm, I'm getting paid to play basketball. You know, something yeah. that you know, and, and to go back to what you said, you know, being from Portugal, from this little town, yeah. um. Who would have said that I would have played in the WNBA and, Mm -hmm. you know, play with all these amazing players and be successful, so... You know, that's all joy, you know. Um I, I was really hard on myself and a little bit of a perfectionist, so sometimes when we lost, like, I, I used to be really mad and I kind of had to shift, you know, that mentality. But, uh yeah, basketball is joy. I mean, to this day, I, I don't play anymore, but I just, I'm still, like, involved, and yeah. I, I just really love to watch basketball. I love to watch sports, but it's just a cool sport and brings so many people together, and then also, like, from all parts of the world. So, yeah, I love it.
2: How was it to make, like you know, like you say, you just play for the joy of it and everything. And then one thing leads to another. You had mm-hmm. this whole career. So how does it feel like when they come with a, the 15th, 20th, or 25th WNBA anniversary team and you, you know, you part of all of them. Yeah. you like literally one of the legends and icons of the game. How does that make you feel to like know you came from a little town, yeah. 30,000 people, and you made it all the way over here and took you it that far? part of a fraternity of women.
1: It's uh, it's surreal, honestly. Yeah. Sometimes I don't believe it. Like, um, it's crazy. You know, I always, like I said, I knew that I wanted to be the best player that I could be. I really didn't know what that meant. But For I real. just knew that I wanted to give everything that I had to the game. And then whatever results were going to come out of it, I was going to be okay with it. And if that's the result, I'm really okay with it. I mean, the top 25, like when I got that call, it was insane. I mean, insane. just being... Yeah on that court we were in Phoenix for the finals and looking around all yeah. the people there were Ooh. like and I was the only European too. It's just like
2: what is that feeling like when you like it's like you crazy. say it's one thing to get the call to say you're gonna make but then like you say when you sitting there in that moment and you standing with all of the greatest yeah. to ever do it and you amongst them and then like you say you are the only European like yeah. what is like what is it's that It's
1: like a dream. Like it doesn't even seem real. Like honestly yeah. I mean I'm not saying that because that's I know it's cliche, but it's really Surreal. And I know that people say I'm humble or whatever, and and I always try to stay that way because I was not going to let anything change me but you know just going back to you know the way that I grew up and um being from Portugal is just uh and being like looking around for people that I've always admired and respected and to be amongst them it's it's, it's very surreal I don't even know how to explain it
2: and then yeah. you you coupled it like how did it feel like you played in one of the you know when that started you were a guard and like you said you didn't guard the point guards mm-hmm. you guarded some best of the player. greatest players yeah. in the history of the game, like how was that competitiveness you, like, you spoke on Swoops, Coop yeah. like how was it to be in that era of it and to be going against like those top level icons who like when you say you was in that 25 they was in those lines too and you know the battles y'all had. I
1: mean that's what uh, makes you the best, you know to go against the best and uh, at the end of the day I love to pass but People don't talk about my defense, but I love to play defense. Right. And, to, when, and I actually didn't like to guard the point guards. I always wanted to guard the top scorer on the other team because I just took it as a challenge, and um, I really enjoy playing defense. And obviously, you're going to guard the best player you're going to get scored on, but you just want to make their life hard. And all those players that were there, I'm sure, that you know, Diana Taurasi, all those players that I had to guard, uh, we had our battles, but that's what's going to you know make it fun you know, uh, on the court to, to go against the best.
0: Where was you and what was your reaction when you heard you made the Hall of Fame?
1: Yeah, so I actually was overseas and um, my phone rang and it was um, it was a weird number and I usually don't even answer, but I did answer <laughs> that time. And they were like, they told me that I was going to be a finalist and then they were going to be voting. And then in a few months, they were going to announce the Finalists. finalists. So, again, it's just like the weight trophy, you know, something that you don't expect anything. You play the game the right way, you do what you were supposed to do and I think all these things happen organically and then when they happen is a little bit of a pinching moment, like where you have to kind of pinch yourself to see okay, now I'm in the Hall of Fame and and that's kind of crazy because, you know, you never play for that. You play to have fun, you play because you love it and you play to win and those things happen organically. So, obviously it was uh, a day that I remember Uh, I was actually at a game, I was in Spain at a game and then the phone rang and I took the call and I'm like wow and then I was like okay who should I call first I called my parents and I told (laughs) them and they were like what the hell is that (laughs) (laughs) but uh but yeah it's it's cool I mean I'm very blessed
2: What made you decide to be an agent? Like, how did you decide, like, after you played and everything? Like, what were the things that kind of led you that you wanted to be an agent and represent players?
1: Well, the first thing is I knew that no matter what I did next, I wanted to stay close to the game. It's what I love to do. And you know what they say, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life, right? So, uh, and also knew that I didn't want to coach. I was very sure of that. Okay. You know, being a point guard, you kind of coach all your life. You know, go here, go there, box right. out. What the hell are you doing? You know, like, so you are a coach because you have a coach's mentality. But I didn't want to have the same routine, be inside of a gym again, watch film. And it's, mm-hmm. it's probably worse than being a player, the amount of time and the mental that, goes into that and I knew that I also wanted to have a job that gave me a little bit more flexibility because I left my house like my family when I was 16 right. so I wanted to find something where I could work remotely and be spend more time with my parents and spend more time with my family and the more I thought about it I was like this is what I want to do at the time there was not too many women representing women especially women that actually played the game so it yeah. just made sense to me and the more I thought about it I was like yeah this makes sense this is exactly what I want to do.
2: Like, it's one thing, like, you held records in the WNBA, mm-hmm. but how cool is it to see, like, because records are made to be broken. How cool was it to see one of your records to be broken by by Vandersloot, who you represent? Yeah. And let me say, I'm a fan. Shottown, Town, she yeah. brought us, she got <laughs> us one. She got us a chip. Hard right Candice and the yeah. gang, so. Much respect to her, but how dope was that? Yeah, for you? I mean, I
1: knew he was gonna be broken. I mean, it's it was just a matter of time. Yeah. Uh, and you know, she's someone that I we actually played together when I played for yeah, Chicago one, yeah. in two, my last year in the league 2012. I played for Chicago for one year, uh, one summer, and we were teammates, you know. And it was kind of like my body was basically shutting down, and I was like, okay, I know this is gonna be my last year, but I was <laughs> able to mentor her a little bit. And a lot of people compared her to me just because yeah. she's a true point guard, and yeah, it's almost like the true centers and the the true point guards is basically dinosaurs. Like, yeah. they are in a few years that we ain't going to have no more. Like, yeah. there's still a few out there, and she's one of them. And, uh, I mean, she's someone that I truly love watching play. Between her, Sue Bird, Chelsea mm-hmm. Gray, those are, I think, the three yeah. that were, like, true point guards. Obviously, Sue retired last year, and we have Chelsea and, and yeah. Courtney. But, yeah, I'm a huge fan.
0: The process of, you was 17, 18 when you came. Mm-hmm. You didn't stayed in the United States since you came over from, Old Dominion, I so it's sure been did. how many years?
1: Yeah, so I came in '94, right? You get, you get a math, You're about, yeah. <laughs> about to be 30, right? Yeah. But always played overseas. So I would play here in the summer, and yeah. then I would go back overseas yeah. to play overseas. But I never played in, like in Portugal yeah. per se. I would play in Italy, Russia, Turkey, Czech Republic. Just so. for that,
0: like you being one of the first players t- mm-hmm. to come from overseas and come over here, and how you then build you a home, family, and friends, like yeah. Just speak on that, like some of the close people you you done met yeah. over in the United States and that became your family and the families that you built with teammates and yeah, people you didn't work with. Right. Like, tell us just about that process from Old Dominion all the way through your career, the people that you done met and built a family with that's in another country, because a lot of people don't go <laughs> to yeah. another country and then right. build a whole nother family over there.
1: Yeah, so I mean, basketball and my career was great, but really, it's over now, like, it go by so fast, but the things that stays, the people that you meet, the friends that you make, like, they're basically your new family. I mean, if I grab my phone now, I probably, like, 90% of the people on my phone and my contacts, I met through basketball. Yeah, and like right. I said, it's just, you know, connects so many people. Um, and that's the thing that I'm most grateful for is yeah. the memories that, that obviously that I have, but the people that I've met, I mean, it changed my life, you know? And like I said, my family still lives in Portugal, so so yeah. I kind of rely on all these people that I've met that now become family or, you know, close friends to make sure that, you know, I can stay over here and not be super homesick from not having my family here.
2: What type of cool stories or are- Either cool or crazy. I remember Sue told us a crazy story about playing for like a. Uh,
1: yeah, I played for him too, Shabtai. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, what, so like, what <laughs> so, type of crazy stories you got from playing overseas? Because like a Russia. lot of a lot of people got crazy stories from like you know y'all had to go back then, especially had to play in the WNBA but still go overseas. So yeah. what type of stories do you got from those experiences? I
1: mean, I can go back on that story from Russia because Sue had an Israeli passport. D. T. Like Diana Taurasi had Italian passport. So our team was crazy. Like we. Right. It <laughs> was me, Diana, Sue. We had Tina Thompson. We had Lauren Damn. Jackson. I mean, he's basically like an all star team. team. So we all played on the same team. So uh, and Shop Tai, the guy that, um, you know, he was our owner, and he was the first man overseas that really invested in women's basketball. He paid us. The right amount of right. money. Like we flew charter, we stayed five star hotels, no roommates. <laughs> yeah. You know, so he really changed the game. But I mean, you know, when you play with a team like that overseas, you really feel like you are in the states because everybody right. speaks English, you're around everybody all the time. And I mean, we just go to dinners and stay for like sometimes like six, seven hours, just telling stories and just enjoying. And uh, and that's the thing that sometimes you know you come back to the states and now it's like okay, now you are. I'm trying to kill you. I'm right, trying to right, win, right? right? Yeah. But then you overseas, you more relaxed and you really can connect with people on a different level and those are the best memories like just diane is like super funny she always had something to say sarcastic and uh, just really getting to know them as people and not as you know opponents so we were teammates so that that was cool
0: seeing the wnba from when you first got into the league and seeing how it is now today of more benefits they taking care of the women more they're trying to create better flight situation and hotel and childcare and Mm -hmm. uh, understanding when a woman gets pregnant, stuff that they don't really have coming through the gate. How proud of you, how they're trying to push and push and push and try to get better and better and better. From I mean, it's
1: time. Like anything, we have to evolve, and the thing that is important as we continue to move forward, even if it's baby steps. I mean, the league is, what, 27 years old now, yeah. so um, we come a long way, but there's still so much more that can be done, yeah. uh, especially when it comes to salaries, expansion. Like, we need more jobs, we need more teams. There's a lot of players out there that get cut, and they're good, but yeah. there's just not enough room for everybody. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, Obviously, I'm proud, I'm one of the pioneers, and we've put in a lot of work for the league to have a great foundation and to grow. But the talent now is ridiculous, you know. Is uh, I mean, think about it like when I was a little girl, I dream about what playing in the NBA, which I knew it was unrealistic. But little girls now at five, seven, well, eight, see, they know the WNBA is here to stay, and they can dream about it because it's real.
0: We just seen a great stretch of women's basketball. Coming off the women's tournament, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in the NCAA, then coming into the uh, playoffs,
3: yeah,
0: of uh, the Aces winning. So yeah. tell you how good it feels to just see that because you don't see that every year all the time and now you're seeing the women's brand being at a high level yeah
1: I mean the thing is like I've seen it but I'm happy that people that haven't seen right. it have yeah. a chance to see it now yeah. and they are turning on the TVs and they are grabbing their little girls to watch with them yeah and you see we breaking records as far as audience and yeah. uh, money that is being spent sponsors mm-hmm. that are companies are investing in women yeah. I mean players now don't even they don't want to leave college you know they because they're, they're making me, money yeah, you know yeah. so I, I mean I've knew it all along I'm just yeah. glad that the world is awake now and and more people are tuning in to watch not just women's basketball but women in sports.
0: Who are some of the women in today's game that must see TV for you? Because you have a unique game, I know. You was must see TV for me, but who are some of the the women in today's probably game top of, of the see. list. I would
1: say Chelsea Gray. I mean, thank God. Yeah, we in Vegas too, you know. So <laughs> oh, yeah. Gosh. So I mean, she's special. Uh, she's special just because she can pass. She makes her teammates better. But if it's time to take over, she can do that as well. Mm-hmm. You know. So obviously, I mean, you have Asia Wilson. You have Brianna Stewart. They are six five, but they can do everything. Shoot yeah. threes. You know, put it on the floor. Like I said that. True post player, it's kinda of going away. Now he's like the NBA, you have people being so more versatile and everybody wants to face the basket and dribble and pass and they can do everything. So um but yeah, I mean number one I would say Chelsea Grey for sure.
2: Tell me this, you coming from a small town and overseas and then making it you know, like when you started to get to a situation where you had, you know, you ain't got to take care of parents or anything. When did you like when you got some money? And you got that bag and you want to do something to treat Tisha right. What did you do for yourself? Even if it was like you look back, like yeah, that was kind of crazy, but like, what did you do when you first got situated and got some good money and feel I mean, like I could do something special for myself? Our
1: money wasn't as long as y'all money, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so probably like a Louis bag or something like that. <laughs> I mean, It's like y'all be like, oh, I bought my mama a house. I'm like. No, I can do that. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, so you just splurge a little bit more at the mall instead of going to the gas store. Maybe you go to the Louis store, you know? (laughs) I got you. So, it was
0: something that you really wanted and you just went to. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like a duffel Louis bag or something. I think that's probably the first First thing thing. that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Start bench trade. Oh, Uh, Lord. Lindsey Whalen, Teresa Weatherspoon, Don Staley. Who do you start? Who do you bench? Who do you trade?
1: I know. This is—y'all is always trying to get people in trouble with this damn question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this guy.
1: Okay, so I'm going to go by age. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to respect the OGs. So I'm going to start Dawn.
0: Okay. I'm
1: going to bench Teaspoon because she's still going to come off you the bench. And I'm going to trade. One? Yeah, I'm going to trade away, you know. <laughs> we going—you know, age is a status, so we're going to respect the OGs. <laughs> respect,
0: respect the OGs. <laughs> if you had to pick four other teammates— that you uh, play with throughout your career that you play with to make an all-time starting five, Mm -hmm. who would be them other four teammates? Mm -hmm. I
1: play with a lot of people, and um, as a point guard, you know, I was very, very thankful for them having great hands and basically grabbing my assists and, you know, turning into baskets, Mm -hmm. but this is a tough one. I mean, I'm going to start with Yo. I mean, I won a championship with Yo, so I'm going to start with Yo. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Kansas just because versatility, you know, mm-hmm. she can play different
2: positions. Ooh. Go with Kansas. That's crazy. Um, two shot towns. Just just keeping track. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Does it count overseas or only America?
2: Everywhere, wherever. All
1: yeah. right, so I'm gonna go with Diana Tarasi as my two. I play with her in Russia. I never play with her in the States. I mean only All-Star games, but yeah. um and then mm. as a three, I think I go with uh, Tamika Catchings.
2: Oh, catch. That's that's a squad. A lineup. That's yeah. a squad. So, That's uh, this is like tough that.
1: though. I'm leaving a lot of people out. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> you spoke on Ruthie Bolton and Cheryl Ford. Like you know, those are some who I felt like because I was really into it at that time. Those were some superstars that really don't really get the credit in the just mm-hmm. do. Just talk about how they were and what they brought to the table, and how you know formidable they were as players.
1: Blue collar. You know, Mm -hmm. both of them. Ruthie, I had a chance to see it with my own eyes. We were teammates. So just to know, like, the work that she put in, the hours. uh, She's somebody that I respected tremendously. Like, coming into Sacramento, uh, I knew that I was going to play with her, and I always looked up to her. And Cheryl Ford, I mean, just obviously somebody that, uh, you know, her dad was Carmelo, but she never let that define her. She created her own lane, and she really uh, put in the work. Amazing rebounder, probably one of the best that, you know, we've ever seen. Just strong and just could do everything, you know around the basket.
0: You always wanna get the props from your peers. Mm -hmm. You know, you being an overseas player too. How does it feel when other players, before and current players, recognize your game, love your game, respect your game and they tell you how dope they thought that you was to them.
1: Yeah, I think that's everything, and um especially people that had a chance to play with me, to know that they believe that I made them better, and they wanted to play with me, and they appreciated and they respect. I think the respect is everything. When you respect your peers, it's funny because I sent to a message because I watched the whole. I think it was three hours, the whole, like, Jersey retirement thing with the Seattle Storm. mm -hmm. And I wanted to go home because I wanted to watch it because that's how much I respect her. And I feel like she did so much for the game. And not Mm, just the women's, not just the WNBA, but, like, worldwide, you know? I waited, like, three days and I said, I hope your phone has stopped blowing up, but I just (laughs) wanted to let you know that I watched the whole thing and I respect you so much. And she was just like, you know, it comes better also from people that you respect as well. Yeah, I You know, and, and that's the thing, you know, it's like your peers and especially the ones that really stayed in the league for a long time you yeah. had a chance to play with or against and they give you praise, that's everything.
2: And shout out to Seattle too because I felt like they did that the right oh, way. They honor absolutely. her. They went all out. It was a multi-step process like it should have been and I felt like they did it to the T, putting it on like all the way on top of the, the key arena and all of the flag going on, yeah. everything that went into it. And then shout out to the fish. She came with the green, with yeah. the like she was <laughs> she today. Clean, like you know Sue gonna be fresh but yeah. like shout out that whole everything was everything like was perfect. it was the way it should have been cause she's a super icon and yes. legend so it was good to see them celebrate her the right 100%. way 100% well that's a wrap man we got a chance today to sit down with basketball royalty man we appreciate the legendary Tisha Pinotero we appreciate world champion. you world thank champ you. hall of My fame pleasure WNBA you, top 25 all let
1: thank you for having me appreciate it
0: I meant
1: to ask you, uh, Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo, come on. <laughs> I'm Portuguese,
0: so. <laughs> yeah, what I you know.
2: talking about? I know, I'm, I'm just, just <laughs> <this>. <laughs> I want to thank y'all for your continued support of the Knuckleheads podcast. Be sure to give us two taps by writing a review and rating five stars wherever you get your podcast. And make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can also watch all the episodes on the Players' Tribune YouTube page. Follow us on social media at Knuckleheads Podcast. And join our Knuckleheads Facebook group for exclusive content. Thanks again to all of our guests and fans. This wouldn't be possible without y'all. The Player's Tribune.com com.